Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Business Kids Podcast. We talk to real people, not their job titles. Let's get straight to business. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. Uh, today, we're joined by a very inspirational individual, someone who has achieved high economic success, experience, uh, has gained experiences in both art and business, a renowned TikTok star, I may say, uh, Jessica Lynn. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. Wow, I like the renowned TikTok star. <laughs> I don't know about renowned, but <laughs> we're getting there. You're reaching those Charlie D'Amelio levels at this oh, point, you know? Oh, yeah, basically the same thing at this point. Same thing, yeah, exactly. Basically. <laughs> well, it's the difference, you know? Um, so let, let's actually start with that. Let's start with TikTok. I know that based on your TikTok account, you have around 147 point some thousands of likes on your post that differ <laughs> from art, uh, makeup, and things like one of the posts that I really liked actually, and I watched this post without knowing it was you like a few months ago, uh, okay. the Mulan one in which you transformed it into oh, yeah. a more kind of like modern style mm. version of her. Bro, mm. we sound so old right now. Yeah. <laughs> you sound no, so old. I sound like a dad. Being so like, you oh, have those uh, I love the tick of the top. The tick of the one, The 147,000 on the TikTok. <laughs> Yes. You uh you did that Mulan video. <laughs> yes, yes. Um I, and then I have also seen your makeup videos and I have to ask you um how did you get into uh makeup and things like that? Yeah. Um so funny funny story actually. So I've always done art like that has just been a part of my childhood growing up. I went to an art high school um, or like I was in an art program during high school um, so that's where that kind of background came up the Mulan one funny enough I had posted in like subtle Asian traits and that's where it kind of first took off but it actually did not pop off that much on TikTok which I was surprised about um, but the makeup actually started when I was quarantining so I was in on exchange in France and essentially, because I was in France, I didn't have any of my paints, I didn't have any of my canvases or anything. And so all I had with me was my eyeshadows and my face. And so one day I was like, okay, well, <laughs> screw it. There's nothing else. Uh, and I'm not doing anything else since I'm stuck inside all day and I was living alone. Um, so just kind of started to do that. I like ran it by a few friends. I was like, do you guys think it'd be a good idea if I post this? Like, does it look stupid? <laughs> like, am I looking dumb? But at the end of and I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just do it. It's just for fun anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where the makeup started. But I've, I've always just, I've also always done my makeup all the time. I mean, I don't have it on right now, so it's hard to believe. But uh, <laughs> I've been, like, very interested in makeup for, like, a very long time. So, like, your face became the canvas in which you worked on. Yes, basically. In, <laughs> so in rough times, you have to make do with what you have. <laughs> Adapt and overcome, they say. You exactly, know? Like exactly. <laughs> so, um, I have a friend who's pretty into makeup and just talking to her about it. I know that one of the biggest issues is like coming up with ideas and coming up with inspiration to do that. So, like, she'll come up with ideas and then try them out immediately, uh, you know, wipe it off or this isn't it, this doesn't feel right. So, like, how do you come up with like your ideas how do you get your inspiration for these kind of things yeah um and i think this is where so i started like an instagram makeup account and more so 
Okay, so rather than just actually having it to post the makeup looks or a place to archive them, I use it as a place to like follow a lot of people. So um, I get a lot of inspiration from like things that I've seen or honestly just what colors I have available and what I like to do. I definitely understand the struggle of like working on something and then being like, oh my God, this is just, there's no way it's gonna work anymore. Mm -hmm. I just poured two hours into like doing absolutely nothing and now my face is gonna be stained pink. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a trial and error and it's like I wasn't going anywhere anyway, so not a big uh, issue. Uh, yeah, I think mostly I like things like filters. I've, I ask on Instagram people to put in suggestions of like things that they think would look cool. I always snap and bug my friends and I'm like, hey, like, need art ideas or makeup ideas like send me anything and then they'll kind of respond or not respond so i guess that's kind of just where i pull inspiration from but yeah how long does it take you to make one like on average uh, a makeup look it depends on how complex but definitely can go up to like two and a half hours or so like depending how detailed it is as well and also like while i'm doing it i'm watching like TV in the oh, back or something yeah. like it's not like yeah just two hours of me straight concentration because mm. I can't do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um now that we're talking about this uh like your uh makeup account when it comes to what you post um based on both if you had a choice of either sticking to one specific platform like uh either TikTok or uh Instagram to see which one like would get the most traction yeah. which one would you settle on one thousand 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 percent TikTok. I think that TikTok is just their algorithm is a lot better suited for smaller creators. So and and then the thing is, so I've had my art Instagram account. I know I have like 20 million Instagram accounts that I split out everywhere, but I have an art Instagram account. And I've had that since like 2016, I want to say, 2015, sorry. So it's been like five years and mm. only like I love my 600 followers, but you know, it's not as fast of a growth curve as I've seen with TikTok, which I started right. in like December last year, now up to 3K. Like I think TikTok gives a, lot, a way better chance for small creators to get big mm -hmm. versus Instagram, you kind of need to almost have a pre-existing platform already. Right. So I find when I post photos of my like a selfie versus photos of like a drawing, the reach is like the reach of an art piece would be almost half of what you would get posting a photo mm -hmm. of like yourself. So it's just all based on the algorithm, but thousand percent TikTok. Mm -hmm. So what are you gonna do if TikTok gets banned? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thankfully I have a job, so I'm not like relying on TikTok or anything. Um, I think it less from a creator perspective, I'd be bummed. I'd just be more bummed as like someone who likes to watch it for entertainment. Like I've learned a lot of new things from TikTok. Um, I think it's just a really digestible format versus all the other social media platforms I've seen I think like news is a lot easier to spread on TikTok or yeah. like things I would have never known about that are like going on in the world and obviously it's good to be in tuned with what's happening in the world um so I think I'd just be more bummed as like a watching perspective less of as like a creator because I'm not like hugely invested in like I'm gonna be a TikTok star and that's it. <laughs> yeah 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 that so just kind of like a, a hobby yeah it's like a nice hobby all right, so I guess, you know, we've talked about your art, your makeup, things like that, and 
I took art in grade nine. So I mean, like as an art student, one art kid to another. <laughs> I know you do art a little bit too. So just a little, <laughs> just a on little. the side sometimes. Yeah. On the side. Yeah. But I felt we could relate a little bit. I remember you uh, wrote somewhere that you called yourself an art kid in a business program. So yeah. <laughs> why, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you join business? <laughs> uh, okay, good question, actually. Yeah, this is a, so this is a question I got from a lot of like business kids going in because they're like, the way I think is very fragmented. So you're, if you're ever like, Jessica, you're getting off track, just let me know. Um, but first off coming into Shulik, like I wasn't used to like the business mindset at all. So one thing that was really, really shocking was like, as soon as someone would find out that I could draw a semblance of something that was actually decent, they would be like, you have to sell this. You have to like open a shop. You have to sell like monetize, monetize, monetize. And I was like, no. Relax. And also, like, <laughs> relax. First of all, relax. Second of all, um, don't come to me like this is some kind of genius idea. Like, <laughs> I think I have, a, I'm like, my two brain cells can at least figure out that I could monetize something if I wanted to. But uh, I, um, and this is a big reason as to why I didn't go into art school was because when I was actually in the art program, I really didn't like it. Like, I didn't like being forced to kind of uh, have my artwork have to fit someone else's mold or someone else's idea. So for example, through an art school, like you're given like you have to do a thesis project or something, but at the end of the day, it's going to be graded by a teacher. So at the end of the day, you also still have to make sure you're um, appeasing the teacher, whoever it may be, and you have to do it to like their timelines and so on. So for me, it felt almost like a chore. So actually, after I graduated high school, I didn't do like any art for like four months because I was like, I'm so sick of this. Um, and then once I got into business school, then it was kind of like, okay, it's kind of nice to have that balance between mm -hmm. full academics and then art on the side. Um, so that's another reason why like I never I would never push myself to like, oh, I want to open like a shop or I want to do this because for me, it becomes more of a chore if I'm doing it for like someone else versus if I just do it for myself, then it's just like no expectations. I can just do it as I please uh, kind of thing, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, not necessarily following your passions in the sense of doing it solely as your only focus, but keeping it on the side. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't say like, I'm like, oh my God, someone forced me to go to business school. I hate business. I want to be an artist. Like, no, I... <laughs> did the art thing, I was forced to do it. I try, I tried uh, to like do commissions, all those things. And I just end up like hating it. Cause like, I don't want to have to work on this, but I have to because there's a timeline or a deadline. So I just find that like, at least those hobbies I like to keep separate. And then I still am like passionate about like the work that I, from a, I guess, work, work perspective. So I don't find it like bad or anything. <laughs> Now that you brought that up, I just wanted to ask you, given that you've gone through that scenario in which you were forced to looking into art and think, seeing how it went, and then afterwards you realized that it wasn't for you, what kind of advice would you give someone that, say, was forced into a certain path? Yeah, like business. Like, say, uh, thankfully, this is not my case, but say I was forced to go into business school because I have to take care of the family business for the next generation type of thing. Uh, what would you say to someone like that? 
I think it's hard. And I think as you go through business school, like even if it's not to the extremity that you like pointed out, but like you're always, always, always going to have somebody being like, I think this is the better path for you, or you should do this instead, or you should go into this industry instead because X, Y, Z. And I think you'd be really great for it. And like, I'm guilty of doing this too. Like if someone asks me about like what I do, then of course I'm going to be like, yeah, that's it's the best. Like you should do it. But um I think you have to be really strong-willed and realize that at the end of the day, like, it's you that's living your life and, like, you're the one who has to end up doing the job. So you have to also think about more than what just the job entails, but everything that comes with the job. So things like what you have to relocate, where is the location is, like, for me, like, if I really want to stay here to the downtown core, then, of course, I that kind of limits your options in terms of where you want to live. But I know some people, they want to go out like internationally or expand. So obviously that would take you a different route, but people are always going to be telling you like, Oh, you should do this. You should do this. I think you just be really, really strong willed because people try to veer me into finance and then people try to veer me into consulting, uh, even like coffee to a bunch of people. And I was like, mm, not for me. Don't like the job. Don't like everything that comes with the jobs and so on. So that kind of like, yeah, it's, it's just you have to be really strong-willed and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, think about what you want, which is really hard for sure. Like it's way easier said than done. Yeah. I remember actually um, talking to the YFC president, I think, uh, last year because of my CPA project. And one thing that she said was, at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to bed with the decisions that you've made. You're not really yeah. doing it to please anybody at the end of the day. You're the one that has to go through, like deal with that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think, um, like, a lot of the things I think people do to appease others or they think will look good to other people, but, yeah, at the end of the day, you are the one who have to, has to live with it, and mm -hmm. so you just have to be really strong-willed, and, like, if someone keeps telling you to go down to a certain path, at a certain point, you just got to be, like, not for me. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care what excuses you throw at me, it's not for me. Stand your ground. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I guess business would kind of be, I'd say almost maybe a better university program to be forced into because as opposed to like medical, I feel like you talked about, oh, you got to commission this or you got to sell this, sell this, sell this, monetize it, which yeah, it's, it's not a revolutionary idea and it's not the best, <laughs> but like at the same time, if you wanted to go into art and you want to do this, yeah. I feel like you could better use business knowledge to kind of setting up your own thing rather than like engineering to art you know what I mean oh yeah well that's fair and also like for me I just don't like science and I'm yeah. not into engineering math like my parents are both engineers and my brother's going to computer science my sister's doing her PhD I live in a very academic like household <laughs> and I'm just like two different trajectories so I think business was almost not like a last option but it was like okay, this seems like a, an option where the, it's open enough that I can still change my mind and make decisions as I go along. It's an interesting outlook to look at that. I feel like now that we're talking into kind of uh, your kind of outlook on all of this, we've known that you've done some freelancing and you've, you're into marketing when it comes to uh, working for Procter & Gamble. Do you ever consider opening up anything uh, related to uh, your own practice or your own business? Or is that something that you would not consider in the near future? Um, yeah, I think this is something that's really like 
romanticized in business, like being the CEO, being an entrepreneur. For me personally, and this again is just comes with like knowing what you want. Like I just know that I'm not the type of person who wants to be like the CEO. Like I'm not looking to climb the ladders and be at the very top or anything. I'm not like looking to run my own startup just because for me I'm like that's too much. <laughs> it's too much work in the sense that mm. like for me, my priorities are also like, I still want to maintain my hobbies and I still want to right. be able to separate things. But when you're doing something like you're running a company or running a startup, work kind of becomes 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and this, and it's nothing bad about like people who don't want to run businesses. I think almost it's like looked down upon if you don't want to be like the CEO, like for some reason, everyone in their brain is like, I want to be a business owner. I want to be the next startup owner. And that's, it's just a different mindset. Like I just don't have that mindset and I don't have that type of drive. So I'm like super comfortable with just being kind of like stable where I am. I know another thing that's really romanticized is like always switching your job. Like, Oh, I'm going to go into this for one year and then I'm going to hop out to this and then exit this and then do this. Another thing that I'm not really like super into just because for me, like my, outside goals include like oh i would want to like ever like eventually have like a family or i'd want to settle down so work would just kind of be more of a stable thing hopefully like uh, uh, <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. like and that's not to say i'm not passionate about work it's just like i have other priorities mm-hmm. um but it's just a difference in mindset it's not like no one path is better than the other i would say so you know we're talking about entrepreneurship and stuff it's uh it's overhyped. It's overrated. Yes. So, <laughs> I see oh my that gosh, everyone's gonna come for me now. <laughs> That's the title. That's the title of this episode. Oh my this god. This is overrated. You heard oh it here god. first. I can't wait. Jessica for, like, hates entrepreneurs. All, all the hate comments on my TikToks <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the first one. Oh gosh. <laughs> He'll start the thread. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, jokes aside, you didn't necessarily want to go into entrepreneurship. So we look more of the career path and like with corporations and organizations. And we know to get there during shoe like you did, I'd say pretty well academically with top 98 percentile and finishing on the shoe like Dean's list. So okay, yeah. I'm trying to think, where did yeah. I put that? Because I'm like, how did how would someone know about that? Okay, as long as we're not wrong with it. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it would be on my resume, though, so I don't know. <laughs> We're talking uh, to your employer. Oh, boy, oh. That, that's how I got it. That's how I got the information. So with those results um, that we know through undisclosed sources, what advice <laughs> to students who are trying to succeed and trying to do well in Schulich right now? Um, yeah, I think, and I know, like, take everything I say with a grain of salt as well, because it's always easier said than done. But I think something that like, I think, yeah, everyone has different priorities. So some people are going to be like, yeah, GPA is super important. And then some people are going to be like, yo, screw that. Who cares? Um, again, no, no option is better than the other. It's just your mindset. But like something I was told in first year that kind of like stuck with me or made, made a lot of sense to me, to me is like, there's kind of like a little triangle. So like, it'd be like academics, networking and then extracurriculars or like involvement experience and so like the biggest thing is it's like if you're lacking in one it's not the end of the world like Mm. just you can try and make it up 
in the other two, if that makes a little more sense. So I would say like, you're never like having a good GPA will never do you wrong in life. Like it will only help you. So there's no reason if you can and within your capability to try and strive for it, at least. That being said, it's also easier said than done. Like I know everyone has like different areas where they find it harder or easier to learn certain concepts. So I think that like with that being said, if you know that like academics is something that maybe is not your strength, then maybe just play to the networking aspect or the play to the extracurriculars aspect. And that doesn't just mean clubs, like you can do volunteering, you can do like anything else. It doesn't, it's not limited to just like the clubs that you like or whatever it may be. So I would say that's kind of the advice. Like I would say focus on what you want to focus on. And as long as your GPA is somewhere where you're happy with it, then that's like all that really matters. Um, some people are comfortable with X numbers. Some people want, are more comfortable with X number. doesn't really matter. Um, but I will also say in marketing, it doesn't like matter as much, mm-hmm. matter as much in the sense that you should still care and you yeah. should still strive to do well, obviously. Um, but it's not going to like make or break in mm-hmm. the screening process. It's like accounting or anything that you have to have a certain amount of GPA to. Yeah, I've never like seen like a strict rule of like you have to have this. So it's like because of that, because of that flexibility, of course, having good GPA is always going to help you. But um, if you don't have it, then you have a lot more chance of playing to the other two aspects. So your extracurriculars or experiences and that could even just be part time job doesn't have to be corporate or anything and um, like networking. So. And networking doesn't have to be formal as well. It can just be like super casual talking to people, like make sure you like make friends almost like don't go into something with the mindset of like, I want to get a job eventually. Just like make friends with people and it will end up serving you in ways, I guess. (laughs) Now that we kind of mentioned, you actually mentioned the whole sense of if maybe your stronger asset is to have more of like an extracurricular like repertoire, be more outgoing when it comes to instead of having an exceptional GPA. Um, we know that while in Shoe, like you were a part of YMA and YFS as part of your clubs, <laughs> YFC, YFC, yeah. I apologize. With your experiences in both clubs, what are some of like your favorite takeaways or like the projects that you kind of enjoyed the most? Yeah, so I was super lucky enough to have a lot of experience in different facets of different extracurricular spheres in Shulik, which is really like something, an opportunity or like a privilege that not everyone has. And I would say like the best part is really like the people. I know that's going to sound so cliche. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, obviously, but like it definitely is. I think each group of people really taught me something different. Um, So I think people get most confused about YFC because they're like, you're not in finance. Why were you on the finance club? Um, I joined as basically to help them with their graphics and their promotions. Cause at the time when I was in first year, they didn't have someone. Um, and I happened to have a frosh leader that was on the club and I would basically voiced my feedback. And I was like, look, your posts are kind of not that great looking <laughs> aesthetically. I can help you out. And it was just like a gesture like, Oh, Hey, Um, but then because they wanted to make sure I'd be committed they were like look like it's either you do it and you join the team or like 
they don't do it all they, in or nothing yeah thing. the worst is to have someone say they'll do something and then flop like that sucks mm-hmm. um so through YFC I feel like I mess, met some of the best people not, I, in all my clubs I met some of the best people but YFC for example the people really taught me like hard work perseverance like these people work so hard and these people like and not even just like a work as in like oh I'm gonna put in the hours but it's more like their dedication um and kind of like the way they think it kind of pushes you to always think like to always want to do better almost um so that was really great um from like YMA obviously love everyone um I think that was just like met a really big group of good friends there and I think it's funny because people are always like oh you just hire friends but I think what people don't realize is that actually most of the time we're not even friends to begin with we become friends so um that's really fun and then I did like JDC one year um that was really fun and learning experience on learning how to do cases and stuff i did like an extra like an external club it wasn't from shulik mm-hmm. um and that one was really fun to just be able to work with people from other schools um I, and that one was about diversity so helping to kind of contribute to that in a in a positive way so i don't know if i actually answered the question but <laughs> basically <laughs> the people have been really great mm. <laughs> that's what like that's your favorite takeaway out of all of it yes very long-winded <laughs> way of getting there you can probably cut cut half of it out but no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no this is good this is what we're aiming for to have like just a genuine conversation we don't want to make it so kind of like robotic just no, make it yeah more... and i talk a lot as well so it's <laughs> <laughs> good oh that's perfect <laughs> i guess okay we're on the topic of school so i want to ask we know that during school you did an exchange and you actually have an account about it. So oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to uh, talk more about that. How was that? Um, yeah, I mean, so the exchange account is actually part of your social media requirements when you do exchange. Um, like you don't have to, you have an options to choose, but I just chose to do an Instagram account because it's easy. So that adds to about like five accounts that I have in total. So that's fun, fun for everyone that I follow and gets <laughs> all my follow requests. But exchange was super fun. Obviously it did get cut short, which sucks, but um, I think because I did get to stay, I don't feel any like regrets towards it because there's no, there's nothing in the back of my mind that's like, oh, um, what could have been? Yeah, Yeah, because I knew what could have been. It was me sitting in my room drawing butterflies on my face. That's what, that's what (laughs) happened. Um, So yeah, it was really fun. It was, um, it was unfortunate because a lot of people had left. So it was basically down to like me and then one other um, Shulik girl from my school. Thankfully, we lived in like the same residence building. So we could still like see each other. Um, can't, couldn't really go out again because of COVID up until like mid-May-ish. That's when France started opening up. And then I just basically spend my day walking around outside in the sun. Um, sitting down somewhere, drawing a bridge or two, um, and yeah, it was kind of like, it was kind of nice, because it hit pause on life, which was good. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, it was, like, a nice... No, 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 I was going to say, like, it was, like, a nice, like, relaxing yeah, experience yeah. to... Like from a, all the hustle yeah. and bustle to everything. Very relaxing. But I, and I did get the chance to at least visit a few other countries before the world shut down, but yeah. <laughs> As Seb asked, uh, I'm going to ask it, <laughs> like, what was, like, your favorite part of just experiencing France from a different perspective, from not, like, the, like, flashy, you know, mm-hmm. the capital of, like, fashion and things like that, but more of, like, just uh, France as it is? Yeah, I think it was really cool to see Paris empty basically because and like every shop owner you talk to would be like you'll we'll never see this again in your life this is once in a lifetime and I'm like this is my first time here so I don't know what I'm comparing <laughs> it to but okay um so I think it was really cool just to like the their lifestyle is very relaxed which is nice um I like how normal it is to just like sit down and draw chill. somewhere read a book yeah chill like um so i think it was just really nice being surrounded by that atmosphere in terms of being in france during like a lockdown period yeah. if that makes sense <laughs> well i mean you went in kind of an unprecedented time that hopefully will not be repeated for <laughs> a good while so like if i were to go right now what would you suggest that i do with a week Mm. I am a huge art nerd, as we've made apparent. <laughs> so I really, Wait, really, like just a little bit, only a little, <laughs> not too much. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I don't know, it's going to sound so cliche, but like, just like the art museums, they have so many more than just the Louvre. Um, so like the Louvre is obviously beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I never got to fulfill my dream of sitting down with the sketchbook in there because it closed, but uh, like there's a lot of really small art museums that would just like feature one artist or something like there's a Monet gallery. Um, I think there's one for Degas, like there's a whole bunch. And the great thing is that like if you're a student or if you're under like 26, I believe, or something like it's free, which is really nice. And that's actually really nice about France is that a lot of their um, big sites of historical sites are free for students um, under 26 just be, and like I think that's kind of nice because it encourages more people to go so I'd say yeah go to the little go to all the arts art museums if you're an art fan um, bakeries are yummy and that's a that's a plus the other thing is I'm actually vegetarian so I didn't get to eat all the crazy foods <laughs> like <laughs> duck or like the snails or anything like but I know people really like the food, <laughs> so yeah. food would be another thing. Um, I'm also not a coffee connoisseur, like anything. I'm not a food connoisseur at all, um, so <laughs> I wouldn't know the difference between good food and bad food. I have very basic taste palate, but everyone says the food in France is really good, so. They're just, yeah. go by that. <laughs> go by that, yeah. Go by that. So basically, the tips I gave you were everything you can find in, like, a wiki page. <laughs> no, <laughs> no new information. <laughs> well, it's fine, but taking it from a personal experience, I feel like has more weight to it, of course. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned, actually, we're going to ask you this. You've been a vegetarian for three years. Is there any reason behind that? I just kind of just woke up, you're like, oh, I'm going to try this. Why would you do that? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I was trying to remember how you would know that as well, but I, I think I put it on the form. Yeah, you did put it on the form. Yeah. yeah. I was like, um, <laughs> how did they know all these things? Um, no. Yeah. So um, I guess like funny story, kind of. Not really. But <laughs> I've basically always been pretty like passionate about various social issues, and one of them is. Um, like animal rights as well so what it it really started originally more against like animal testing fur etc and then um, as it was escalating throughout like university actually I was talking with a friend who he's vegetarian um, for religious reasons but for him I think like as you grow up it can also become for more like animal reasons or social reasons and then he had ended up buying a fur coat and I was like well why would you do that like thought you had social like I thought these were where your social values were but now you do this but then he was like but you still eat meat and I was like interesting tea (laughs) (laughs) you came for my neck there no but and like and the thing is I was making all the excuses of like oh you know it's the life cycle or whatever BS or like oh my parents don't believe in vegetarianism which they don't and then I realized like these are all excuses I am fully capable of controlling what I eat and what I consume um and so and I was like you know what you're right I'm being a hypocrite and I need to walk the walk if I'm gonna talk the talk and I think it has been a really good decision. I also have a friend, one of my high school friends is vegan as well. So it made it really easy because I could see like what she eats as well. And it didn't seem hard. Um, I think a lot of people think it's really daunting, but it was, it was actually surprisingly easy to just switch over. Maybe we'll try veganism for a few weeks here. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> you should do it. You have? You have? You have, yeah, he has. Three yeah. or four months last year, I became cripplingly anemic. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, so. that's, that is one big thing. You definitely have to take care of. Like, I'm a, I'm a bad vegetarian in that, like, I know I should be doing blood tests and, like, taking supplements or, like, at least getting my protein elsewhere, like, through beans, lentils, mushrooms, all that good stuff. I am really bad because I just like to eat what I want to eat, which is Mm. typically not beans and lentils and where I should be getting protein from. So I'm probably deficient in a few things. Where do you get your protein from then? Like I still eat things like tofu and vegetables has protein, like the normal ones, but I don't seek to actively add like Mm. more protein. If you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah i'm not the best person to set your nutritional values (laughs) but i could say from a social perspective i think that even if you don't go vegetarian like consuming or trying to consume less meat really helps with the environment helps with um obviously the animals there's a lot of very shocking statistics um but i think that's for everyone to do their own research on and the side. I think your being vegetarian is kind of an easier boat than being vegan in the sense that it's definitely uh, more of a challenge to get protein in and like certain nutrients and whatever. But at the same time, you still have a lot more different protein sources that could come from animals or whatever. And it's a lot less restrictive. So, you know, not doing blood tests or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's maybe not ideal, but like it's still. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like my body hasn't failed me yet. I mean, my knees are getting pretty old and my back is getting old, but that's not from my diet. Um, yeah, I'd say it yeah, hasn't been hard or anything. And I think it's also great because there's also so many more options now. Like I feel like I joined or I switched at a really good time because like, for example, my friend who's vegan, like she's been doing it for like eight years or 10 years I don't even know how many years now and way back then like there were no options but now like there's so many options yeah KFC has a new vegan chicken sandwich it's so good I tried it it tastes exactly like the McDonald's chicken I'm gonna plug it here so (laughs) yeah and I think like when you can if you want might try a vegetarian item or two because um as the consumer society works the more of something is bought the more but with your wallet company yeah the more companies will start to produce mm-hmm. that or whatever it may be and if, and if eating meat isn't your jam then it, that it is, or sorry not eating meat isn't your jam then like it is what it is <laughs> now that we're talking about that and you mentioned it yourself that your family members do not believe in veganism or things like that do you ever like maybe at a dinner table do you ever like feel tempted to just kind of you know take a, a bite out of that chicken oh, wing or yeah. something um definitely i think recently i don't know why the past few months i started craving like fried chicken i think it's just from like seeing it around like everyone was talking about like the popeye's chicken sandwich and like, all these things and i was like there's so much chicken um so i was really <laughs> craving it i think it's tempting for sure but i think at the end of the day it's just kind of like I can live without it. Like, it's just like, it's a mindset thing. And I think after a while, certain things don't become appealing anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I'd probably say the only thing to me is that would be still like appealing is like chicken, like fried chicken. Fried chicken. (laughs) (laughs) But like things like beef aren't appealing to me. Steaks were never appealing to me. Like it just, yeah, it becomes like not appealing after a while. yeah. So, so like so like things like beyond meat and things like that do you kind of like resort to those uh when it oh, comes to like those, your yeah yeah big fan of the beyond meat burger usually when i'm craving things um i just need to eat something at the, at the, yeah. like so i'll just like i eat a lot of chips which is not great but <laughs> it gets the job done so yeah i like to eat a lot of junk food instead like snacks instead important with beyond meat i know uh one of the issues that some people had was i think it was wendy's or some some fast food chain introduced it and then it was being cooked on the same grills with like the actual meat oh that's a and w i think um oh damn a and w yeah yeah so people were upset about that what's your what's your take on that are you that like hyper vegetarian or if if it's cooked you're like okay it is what it is yeah um for that it's not like a big deal for me personally just because i also know like in my life like i can't force my entire family like it's it'd be too much to ask to be like oh my god no we have to cook in a different uh pot or whatever it may be so for me i'm not super picky about that like my parents will still like cook their regular stuff i just pick around what i can pick around um, or I just won't eat certain things, or like there are some things well, they will they will make it specifically vegetarian, which is really nice for the of them to do, and I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But I'm not super picky about um that stuff. I think it's because like for me personally, like there has to be some leeway, I guess. Um, and 
as like passionate as I am, I think like everyone can try within their spectrum of what they're able or capable to try to do. So if that spectrum doesn't include or if that spectrum, for example, is that instead of going to a full vegetarian, you just eat like a little less meat a day, then like at least you're trying. Like I think for me, it's like, okay, at least I'm trying and putting in a conscious effort. There are some things that I will, right. I'm more willing to let go versus others. So like that would be one of them. Like I'm not super picky on that. Mm. Um. I wanted to ask you, I guess, going back to going back to uh, France and things like that. Uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you, would you consider ever going back to France, but to like live there for a few years? Or would it just be something that you visit every now and then to kind of see how the place has changed? Um, I think I would love to have the chance to live in Europe. Mm -hmm. France is a little tricky just because I don't speak French that well. <laughs> so yikes. <laughs> I'm sure I can pick it up over time. Yeah. But um, the other thing is just like, okay, yeah, I can definitely see myself living in France. It's just a matter of like, I know at least in France, it's actually like more competitive to get a job or like the job market isn't the same as it would be in Canada. So I just don't know feasibility wise, if it would actually be possible, but right. I would be definitely down like if someone was like offered me a job in France um, or like somewhere in Europe, then I'd, I'd be down to do it. Maybe not permanently, maybe for like a year or a few months, but I would definitely go back. Okay. So I guess the job market being more competitive there or whatever, uh, here it is a bit different. And I guess we can use that to shift into what you're working right now. and. We just want to ask you about, you know, what your day-to-day -day life looks like at your job right now. Sorry, I didn't know if I was cutting out. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, cut out a little bit, but message still got through. Yeah, yeah my day-to-day. -day, it's very difficult to explain in that I feel like I could talk about this for like three hours and I'd still be like, does this make sense? Yeah, I guess I'll talk about like what I do on a broader spectrum first because the day to day or the week to week really, really changes. Like I'm never doing the same thing every day. Um, so on a broader spectrum, what I do right now, um, so I did brand at Nestle, if you ever want to ask about that, but I did. Right now what I'm doing is I'm actually in an AE role, so I'm an account executive at P&G for skincare, which is like our Olay brands. Um, at Walmart specifically. Um, so it's actually not in marketing technically. The way I kind of like to think about it is it's a little more like retail strategy and like retail. It's more attuned to retail marketing or whatever it may be, um, but it's it, within the sales function. And what I basically do is that I am kind of the owner of anything that happens um, for a lay at Walmart. So as you know, PNG, we don't sell direct to consumer. So everything we sell has to be through a retailer. So I own that entire relationship. So from whatever that may be like, okay, getting like what pricing should we do? What displays should we do? When should we go on promotions um, to like building out my forecast, like how much I think I'm gonna sell, working with supply to make sure that like I'm actually 
can like we can actually supply yeah. things etc working with my budget you know what promotions at walmart can we do what like what essentially can we do to help grow uh skincare mm-hmm. at walmart so a lot of it is like trying to look for opportunities and recommendations and trying to like dig through the data to be like i like we should change this like whatever it may be and then um, meeting with walmart in this case and being like this is what we recommend um and trying to help execute on those uh like at the top so i would have to coordinate with brand to make sure that national plan middle ground type of thing kind of it's like the yeah it's like the connector between like walmart and png yeah so you own anything that happens between those lines and of course it's not just me like (laughs) uh, not like i'm the one only yes everyone's (laughs) doing everything so you work super cross-functionally but basically uh bulk of it is building out recommendations to try and grow your category and then executing on them. So like a lot of problem solving, a lot of figuring it out. Um, yeah, week to week changes a lot. So it's really hard to say, but a lot of it's basically like a very strategy driven role. So if that makes sense, I don't know if that even came across when I explained it. I'm very bad at explaining it. <laughs> that was good. So it's like just, uh, it changes a lot based on what you've told us, like there's not one thing that you kind of just set on doing. Yeah, there's not one thing you can say, but I, uh, and I know this is gonna sound so contradictory because I said, oh, I don't like, I'm not an entrepreneur type, but like I know a lot of people will compare it to like, oh, it's like your little mini CEO of whatever company or Um, whatever brand you're on, sorry. Um, just rather than rather than focusing on all retailers, you'd be focusing on your one mm-hmm. your one customer or one client. Now that you even mentioned that, you know, um, as you said, you worked at Nestle, now you're working at Procter and Gamble, and all of your experiences that you've had with art school as well as being part of YMA and, and the finance club. How would you say, and what advice would you give to students that are really trying to, I guess, set themselves up a little bit for success in these fields? Uh, not necessarily like being account executive in Procter and Gamble, but just like and all of these different experiences that you've had yourself. Yeah. Hmm. I think <laughs> I think the biggest thing is like aside from making sure you stay true to like what you want to do I'd say also like don't be afraid to make it known that you want something if that makes sense like obviously don't brag about it and don't be like I like I want this or nothing like this is the, like don't be like too excessive about it but also like make it known like if you are really interested in working for xyz company like there's no reason you shouldn't be talking about it i think a lot of people get scared or they get scared off because it's almost like a pride thing like Mm. if i say oh i really want the job at xyz and everyone knows that i'm recruiting for them and then i don't get it you're like i'm like oh my gosh like can't believe yeah it feels that like feeling of embarrassment which is like human nature it's Mm -hmm. very natural um so i think people are scared to make it known but for me unless someone tells me they want something or shows interest there's no way of me tell like knowing like i can't read someone's mind so i i'm not able to help someone if i don't know if they're 
they're even interested in like what I mm. can offer or whatever it may be. So um, a lot of times, like, just don't be afraid to reach out. I think that's, that sums it up. Like, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to make it known that you're interested in something. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, one, with reaching out, like the worst answer you'll get is just a no, or like, I'm a little busy. Can we do it another time? Mm. Um, so big believer in just like, reaching out and talking to people, make it known that you want or don't want something or what you're looking for. Be passionate about like what it is you're talking about. Ask genuine questions and like make, make friends with people that like you can ask your dumb questions to or whatever it may be. <laughs> like don't, and ugh, I don't know, I guess don't make friendships for the pure sake of networking as well. Yeah. I feel like I threw in like 10 different things. But. <laughs> no, but this is good this is like based on your personal experience and yeah i kind of agree with that with the whole no, i'm not kind of like i really agree with the whole sense of networking um yeah like i uh <laughs> when i first uh started into shoe like i was kind of scared of networking but not because of like talking to people but because i didn't want to have that like superficial relationship of like oh my name is blah 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 and i, I want to specialize in capital mm-hmm. markets and finance and then everyone's like okay yeah but I wanted to have more of like a deeper connection type of thing. Yeah. And I think that is the beauty of um, clubs, even though, even if you're not on the exec team, if you like talk with the exec team or like hang out with them or whatever, maybe because it creates a really natural setting or an environment to talk to people you wouldn't normally talk to. Like, for example, if I was second year, first year, third year, whatever, second year reps let's say or going in there's no reason i would know someone in fourth year who does xyz Mm -hmm. like our paths just wouldn't have crossed but rather when you're put in a club setting where you have to work together on something that is not job related like you're working together to put together an event a very natural relationship just like it just uh, comes out of it it just happens. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it just happens. And I think that's where I would say the what biggest benefit of not even just clubs, could be volunteering, could be just going to events, et cetera. You just naturally create those bonds mm-hmm. that don't feel forced because you're working on something and you have a context that brings you together. But then what I mean by like later down the line, it might end up paying off is like, for example, like when I was first year up there mm-hmm. were like through YMA, I've met like, uh, sorry, hold on, let me think like four people. So the senior advisor when I was first year worked at PNG, then two other people who are a year older than me also now work at PNG. But at the time I obviously didn't know that and or any of that. We just started working together and became friends. And the, so that's what I mean by it's a very natural bond but but by the time then when I was recruiting for PNG, I could be like, hey, like can you help me? Like, do you have any tips yeah. or anything? And it was and it didn't feel forced. Yeah. So genuine. Yeah. All right, Jessica, that is all the time that we have for today, but I would like to obviously thank you for accepting of being a guest in today's podcast. And yes. I just ask you, um, what are the accounts that like you have so we can just follow them, plug them here if you'd like? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I have so many. Okay, I have my main, Okay. which is just Jessica with two A's underscore Lynn with two N's. Then I have my art account, which is Jess L underscore art and my makeup account, which is Jess X Lynn, a uh, Lynn with two N's, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I have, oh, I have my exchange account, but don't follow that because I'm not posting <laughs> on that anymore. I used to have a photography account, got rid of that. Don't need to follow me on Finsta. <laughs> we don't need to see that. Um, yeah, I think, so I think just the three, the three main okay. ones, actually. But like, yeah, just you can plug look up, them yeah. if you want. So you heard just it here, Just look at me up, you'll, <laughs> you'll find me. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Jessica. I feel like, I don't know, I, I kind of like this, the flow of the conversation. We went from just first TikTok to more deeper, I think, things. Like it kind of got a little bit more interesting as we went. And that wouldn't have been possible if you weren't as willing to kind of open up to us. So I'd like to thank you as a part of, I guess I speak from the whole podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. I hope that we could get to all the topics you guys wanted to touch on. Of course, if you have any questions, just reach out. I might be a little slow to respond, but I will try my best to respond. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be questions about business or anything I talked about today could be whatever whatever, you whatever else you want yeah all right thank you so much from today's podcast have a good day